okay, everybody, welcome to the Working Collective Podcast, episode one. I am here uh, with my great friend, Caleb Godfrey. Uh, my name is Andrew Mullins, and I'm the host. And today we're going to be looking at uh, Caleb Godfrey and his story and just talking with him and about what he does and why he does it. So, Caleb, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, Caleb, tell me how we know each other. Tell us about us. So, me and Andrew met at the University of Mobile in a goodness awful history class. Um, <laughs> was one of my first classes at UM, and I walked in and knew one other person, and she was sitting next to this guy in a cavu uh, visor and shorts, and from there, it just kind of blossomed. Our, our friendship just kind of took off, and we ended up being roommates for two years and <clears throat> walked with each other through those two years. And uh, so that's how I met Andrew, and our friendship still continues today. And uh, we have lots of stories, or I have lots of stories that I could tell you about we'll your the, host. And, yeah, we'll uh, put those in the bonus episode or lots, something. Lots, lots, lots of things I could, I could say about him, but... Uh, what you need to know is, is we're like best friends, like brothers and I love them to death. And, and, uh, yeah, that's how we, that's how we know each other. Cool. Well, uh, tell us more about you, Caleb. Tell us about where you're from, what you do, what you've done in the past. And, uh, as, as people will start to listen to this podcast, I, I hope that it's a, uh, better understanding of, uh, what we do and why we do it. So we're looking at vocation and, and work and work ethic and and motivation um so caleb why don't you tell us more about just basic what you do where you're from uh more about caleb uh so yeah yeah i'm from wetumpka alabama which is outside of montgomery and my parents still live there my dad is a worship pastor um down in that area and i'm also a worship pastor and so that's why i was at the university of mobile um I went there and graduated in 2015 and got my degree in worship leadership. Um, and then from there, since then, I have gotten a master's degree from Liberty University in music and worship. And so um, been full force in the ministry, have always known that that's what God is, was calling me to do. So um, I was blessed to be able to grow up in a, in a minister's family and to learn from my dad. And um, but I was actually born in Dallas, Texas, while my parents were finishing seminary. And um, I've kind of moved around, been in South Carolina, been in Dothan, Alabama, and then in Wetumpka, Alabama, uh, where my parents still live. And so I moved, uh, did one year at Auburn and Montgomery and did a lot of basic work and then moved down to the University of Mobile to pursue uh, my music degree and to be involved in, in down there. And it was an awesome experience. And then right after I graduated uh, from UM, the Lord opened the door for me to move to Arab, Alabama, which is where I currently live and serve as worship pastor um, at First Baptist Church. And I have been here for five years. This year will be my sixth year uh, being worship pastor here. And um, and yeah, that's where I am right now. Great. That's great to hear. So for you in your line of work and, and what you do, you would say that your faith is what kind of drives that. Am I, am I following that correctly? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think in ministry, that's sometimes all you have to cling on to because ministry is hard because you're dealing with people a lot and people are broken and we're all sinful. And that 
that plays a lot into it. You know, there are some great days that are highs, and then there are some days that are really low. And so sometimes your faith, that's all that motivates you to get out of bed sometimes. And so I would definitely say my relationship with Jesus is what is that driving factor. Um, because anything else, I can't imagine putting my faith in anything else and trying to do ministry um, just because of the nature of it. So, yeah, absolutely. Faith is definitely what gets me out of bed some mornings for sure. So you have these highs and lows with any job. And I know from my own experience that in your line of work, that those highs and lows look different than most people's. Um, so for me, going along that line, I want to know what is a, what, what's a normal day look like in your work, in your industry? I laugh when you say normal, because I feel like there is never a normal day <laughs> in ministry. <laughs> Um, if you've been a minister's kid or you're in the ministry, I think you can attest to that. Um, for a normal day, though, for a worship pastor, um, it looks like a few different things. I mean, I would say usually I'm in the office around nine. Um, I'm blessed to have a pastor that kind of is not as strict on office hours and allows us to be out in the community and to be able to do different things. Um, and so usually my day starts with a quiet time. Um, I know people might go, well, you're supposed to do that at home. Um, and I do do that at home when I don't go into the office. Um, but I find, I found that starting my day with that, especially in the building, in my office or in the sanctuary, sometimes really centers my heart and my mind. I think as worship pastors, we try to be and need to be so in tune with what the Lord is leading us to do, to sing or to do each and every week that it's vital that that's how my day begins. And that, that kind of, that focuses and lays a foundation for, for what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. Um, and so I usually start my day with that. Typically a day involves some type of planning. Um, usually for worship services, I try to be a month plus ahead. Uh, right now I know what we're singing in May. Um, so my pastor will give, you know, his sermon series. And so I take that and, and broadly plan out for, you know, a couple months in advance, however long he gives me. So a lot of times it's planning for that. A lot of my job is also communication of making sure I have, you know, band members and worship team members and, and everybody lined up and everybody knows what's going on. Um, we use a, an app online that allows me to share all of our music and stuff that our band, we're going to sing on that Sunday. And so a lot of it is uploading to that and making sure that everybody has the resources they have. Um, and then the fun part of ministry is you never really know what's going on. My job includes a lot of graphics and social media. And so there are days when I'm working on that for our students or for our kids. Um, so it involves a lot of that too. But then, you know, a number of things, especially pre-COVID, um, different events we would have on campus that would need sound or things like that, you know, funerals that happen or weddings sometimes, you know, things like that happen. And um, so <clears throat> I do like it in the fact that I do kind of know what my day looks like, but also I don't because different things could come in at different times. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. obviously Sundays look different. And then Wednesdays usually include a lot of rehearsals. Um, sometimes I have up to three or four rehearsals on a Wednesday with different groups, um, pre-COVID uh, specifically. But, um, but typically that, that's kind of a day, kind of involves a mix of different things, especially mm -hmm. in my role. So Great. That's really helpful. I, I think that'll give everyone a, a good understanding of, uh, of what you do and uh, that you're not just up there you know, for two hours a day or two hours a week, you know, standing up yeah. there waving your arms somewhere. So yeah, well. definitely, definitely <laughs> not doing that. I'm telling you, it takes most people only see when you're on stage leading worship, yeah. 
that 25, 30 minutes of music takes an entire week to plan, to get people up there, to know what they're doing. Like that, that's the, that's one of the most fun parts of the job, but it's the shortest part of the job because it takes right. the rest of the week to make that happen. So yeah. it's kind of backwards if you ask me, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So along that line, and this is more of a broader question for you. How would you describe, uh, how, or sorry, how would your, the greater worship leadership, uh, church ministry world, uh, and I'm asking what you think that answer is, not what your answer is. I'm asking, what do you think the worship leadership church ministry world would describe as success in what you do? I think numbers. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be real. I think that's how we gauge a lot of things as success is, you know, how many are in your church? How many butts are in your pews, you know, every week? Um, or how strong are your small group numbers? Or, you know, now it's how many people watched our live stream on Sunday? You know, it, so I think numbers has a lot to do with church. And I think especially in, in worship ministry too, how many you have in your choir? You know, how many are singing with you each week? How big is your orchestra? You know, those type of things. So I think numbers um, definitely play a large role in how we evaluate what success looks like. Mm -hmm. And same thing with, I guess that would fall into failure. So failure would look like you don't have a lot of numbers. You don't have a big choir or you, you know, you don't have a lot of live stream retention, things like that. Yeah. Would that, would that follow that same line of thought for you? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. I think if, if you don't have a lot of numbers in something, it doesn't look strong and looks like it's dying. And that typically leads to, I think most churches having to close their door is mm -hmm. the lack of numbers and for whatever reason led them to that. But yeah, yeah I think if you look at that, I, I would say that's accurate as well. So how would you uh, want to change uh, that? How, what do you see more as a as the true goal and the true success of that? Um, <clears throat> I think numbers, I mean, numbers are obviously an indication, but I think especially in ministry, we, we meet people's physical needs and Jesus did that. He met, he met their physical needs first, but ultimately it's meeting people's spiritual needs and it's helping their heart and helping them walk through parts of their life. And so, because that's something you can't measure, and you don't really know, you don't really know how things affect people. It's really hard to measure. But I think when you see people in your ministry or you see people in your church growing and you start seeing those fruits of the spirit, you, so, you start seeing those things evident in their life. You start seeing them serve and you start seeing them invest in others and you see them involved in small groups and you see them growing and you see their family growing in the Lord. I think that that's what success looks like. I think, you know, and we, me and you have talked about this quite a lot, that a lot of times God does major stuff in small groups, in small things and areas, and not saying that he can't do things on a big scale, and he does, but I have seen God work and move consistently in little things and in small things and in, in the light bulb going off, um, especially like in my band. <clears throat> I have a guitar player who hadn't really been, involved in church much and he started playing and about a year ago he came to me and he said I get it he said we're not up here just playing we're leading in worship and telling you that made me want to jump off the stage and run around <laughs> our sanctuary like a crazy man 
because that's what that's what it is you know for us especially in the worship ministry it's not about it's not about us getting up there and singing and the the scale of our voices or anything like that or how good we are but i've tried to instill in our people that it's about us leading worship it's about us pointing them to him and so i think that's how i like to measure success in those little things and those conversations you have where you go oh they get it now they they understand it or they're starting to understand it I think that's how we need to start defining success, not based on numbers, because you can have something that's huge and it'd be very, very unhealthy. Mm. I would rather have something small that's healthy than something big that's unhealthy. Yeah. So I think, I think in my own heart and mind, I think that's how I think we should view success. Wow. That's great. Uh, I think that's really helpful. So you would say, uh, based on your answers there, that your job has a lasting, ins- you know, has lasting significance there. There's uh, obviously with, uh, your Christian faith that you're a part of something greater. Um, and you've kind of talked about that with a greater community and a greater uh, goal of, of glorifying Christ uh, in worship and in not just corporate worship, but also instilling a theology, you would say a theology of worship of how you're living your life, of, you know, going back to Romans 12 uh, and living a, a living sacrifice. And, um, and so uh, that's great. I think that's really helpful. So um how, how else do you think your work influences your community uh, and in your town of, of Arab? How, how does that, how do you think your work impacts it, impacts the city? Um, I, I mean, I would say, especially I think in the Bible Belt, um, a lot of times people turn to churches for different things, for different needs and, and different things like that. Um, and so, and, and like I said before, we see the example of Jesus meeting their physical needs first. And so, um, and I cling to that. I, I think obviously there's a time and a place and we're called to share the gospel and we're called to, you know, to do that. But I also think we can't just with guns ablazing, you know, shove the gospel down people's throat. And so I think for our ministry, especially here, there's a strong school system. And so a lot of times it looks like, especially in my ministry, it looks like us. We have a snow cone trailer um, in our church, which never thought I would learn how to operate a snow cone trailer as part of ministry. There was not a class on that at UM. Um, That's a whole nother story for a different time involved choir members laughing at me as I was trying to back the thing up. But um, (laughs) a lot of times we will go and we'll take snow cones to the band. And that's a small, very small thing. And it's not spiritual. We're not serving them communion. We're serving them a snow cone. But I think in our community, people see that and see our involvement in the community. And I think that speaks well of our church that we're just not this cult or this group that's sitting on the edge of Main Street, just sitting there, not being invested in our community. Um, And so I think even little things like that, we do a Thanksgiving outreach program every year where we, you know, we give food um, to those that, that might need it. And, and so little things like that, I think, um, specifically worship ministry, I have found that it's a little bit more challenging to try to do specific things in worship ministry. Um, but I think just being present in the community and being present around, and, and also we're blessed here in Arab. We have a very strong connection with all of our churches in the area that we all, we all have this understanding and this desire to want to work together. And so we collaborate on a lot of different things. And so I think that also is a beautiful picture for our community, seeing that all of our churches 
are not in, in not in constant battle with each other, but they're working together to to make sure our community is cared for, but also to share the name of Jesus. And so, I think there is um, there's some beauty in that too. I think um, of just being able to come together not only with our church people, but with yeah. the church and the community as a whole, and to be able to share the gospel and to love on people in just little ways like snow cones or a fall festival or little things like that. Gotcha. Great. And I, I asked that influence question uh, in your community just because I, I want to lead into this next little section about legacy. And so influence, I, I think of influence in the kind of, uh, um, kind of uh, what's the word I want to use? Maybe a, a not a, a long-term, I think influence more in the short-term, but I think of legacy in the long-term, the lasting of generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know to being in a small town uh, that that can look different than say where I am in Salt Lake city, where it looks completely different yeah. <laughs> and what that, right. what does that even mean yeah. with, with all the different faiths and, uh, and different worldviews at stake here. And so for you, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, who is one person that you think had the greatest impact on you on, and on your definition of how you approach your, your job and your everyday life and relationships. Who's that one person you would say? Uh, I would definitely say my dad. Um, My dad is also a worship pastor. And um, a lot of people, when they find that out and then they find out that I'm a worship pastor, a lot of times they go, well, were you forced into that? And the answer to that is no, um, absolutely not. Um, A lot of people, when they're called into ministry, they have like this, this moment where they have this realization or they begin feeling like they have that. And I never had that. I just always knew that ministry was what God was going to call me into. And so I had the privilege for all of my entire life to watch him do ministry, um, to watch how he loved people and, and handled people and, you know, and just the little things that he did. Um, and, and so I think going to UM and coming out of UM into ministry, I had a a better shaped understanding, I think, than most people do of what practical ministry looks like. Um, and so I'm definitely grateful for that. But he he's the one that I call when I go, okay, this situation has come up. What in the world do I need to do? Um, yeah. And so he has for sure uh, been the one that's had the greatest impact, not only obviously on my personal life, because he is my dad, um, but also my ministry. Um, that's been a cool um, thing now to walk with him as he's worship a worship pastor too and i am as well and um it's been cool to kind of share that together um so for sure my dad i mean my parents in general but but for sure my dad gotcha great and so uh that's that's great and it's it's good to see to a, a healthy relationship with your parents because i know that has a huge impact on worldview and and how you look at your life and how you approach life how you approach others and serve others absolutely uh, so, I think that's a, a that's a great uh, blessing to have. I would say, um, oh, uh, absolutely for sure. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, so how how do you think legacy approaches or affects how you approach your daily life? When you think about legacy, uh, how does that affect how you approach daily life? Um. Honestly, I guess legacy, like thinking about legacy, you know, being in my 20s, it's not something that I really think about quite often. Um, but I think, 
I think the, the word that came to mind was just faithfulness. I think my legacy, you know, I'm never going to know what all the Lord is hopefully and prayerfully, you know, used me for and what seeds have that have been planted because of what he's done through me. Um, and I don't mean that to sound like self-centered, like I'm the one that, you know, I'm doing all these great things. So the seeds are definitely being planted. I'm not saying that at all, but it's my prayer that I'm just a vessel and that God does use me. And, um, you know, I will never know until maybe I get to heaven. Some of the things that God has used that's allowed me to be a part of that he's used. Um, so I think faithfulness, I think, especially in ministry, it's so hard. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, move around a lot or do different things and, and that's great and that's fine. Um, and I just, but I just, I hope that faithfulness, no matter if God calls me to be a teacher one day, if he pulls me out of ministry or and whatever I do, my prayer is that I'm just faithful wherever he's placed me. Um, I, I mean, I'll be real being here in Arab, you know, I don't have any family around here. I didn't even know Arab was a place or a thing <laughs> until the Lord started opening up the door, yeah. you know, for the conversation to come here. Um, so I don't have any family up here. Um, thankfully the Lord has provided people, you know, obviously while I'm up here, but it was, it was, it was scary and it was weird, you know, moving to a new place and, um, by yourself and, and starting a big boy job. Um, I would say it. Um, but a lot of times in those days when it was scary, it's hard, my faith and, and Jesus was all I had to cling to. And I know that sounds really cliche, uh, but my mom has always said, you know, you don't, Jesus is not really your own until he's all you have. And yes, I have family and yes, I have, you know, relationships and friendships and, and I'm grateful for those. But on those days when ministry is hard, um, especially when I was doing my master's and I was working full time and doing ministry and then having to come home and write 25 page papers. There are a lot of times that Jesus was, I was like, okay, Jesus, you've literally got to take the wheel. Cause I don't think I can do this right now. <laughs> uh, and so I just, I, I pray and hope that, I can be oh, faithful man. as yeah. faithful as I can be. Um, and that that's what people remember. Not that, not that I was a worship leader or this or that or the other, but that I was faithful and, and in everything I tried to follow him, I, I really hope and pray that that's the legacy that I'll leave behind. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of just what came to mind. No, it does. Because I, my, my question originally was daily life. My next question was going to be, what do you want to leave behind? So, I mean, you did great. You read my mind. Yeah. Uh, so that's wonderful. I, I think, mean, yeah, yeah, that's we did great. together for two years. So, yeah. you know, I, we have a little bit of that telepathy, you know, right. So. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and I remember too, I remember walking through that ARAB process with you a little bit um, yeah. because that was as you were transitioning out of UM and you were getting ready to graduate and the church you were at, uh, you had stepped away from that role and you were looking for another one. And so uh, you were really, uh, it, it was really testing, I would say, because it was like, I don't know, <laughs> I've never heard of this place. You know, I've never, yeah. I don't even know what to expect with this. Yeah. Um, but I'd say uh, any move, no matter how big or small, uh, when you're moving, uh, I think for you, your motivation would be the Great Commission and to lead people to Jesus. Um, yeah. And so I think any move like that, whether it's across town or across the state or across the country, uh, that speaks to, uh, not just your faith, but I would say your faith being worked and you uh, surrendering you, uh, your life and your gifts to uh, what God has given you and so and where God's going to take you. So I think that's a great, great way to end it. 
Um, so for here, looking ahead, uh, since this is called the Working Collective, what are you working on right now? It could be anything. It could be you know an art project, or you're fixing your car, you're taking time to rest, you're uh, you know wanting to jog more. I don't know. What are you working on? <laughs> So right now I'm actually working on a show. Um, so I am the music director for A-Red Musical Theater, which is the theater department at our local high school. Uh, we're actually an internationally um, known musical theater program, wow. which is pretty cool and yeah. did not expect for that to happen when moving to a um, But we are doing a show in March and being the music director, I not only teach the kids their parts and help them to make sure they know the music, but I also conduct the orchestra, and so that's what I'm working on right now, working on the score and working on programming keyboard parts and things for our orchestra players to be able to play. So that's currently what I am working on. We actually start rehearsals for our orchestra in two weeks, and so I'm working on some finishing touches on that. And then obviously Easter is around the corner, and so that's kind of a major holiday for me specifically, and so... Uh, working on what our Good Friday service is going to look like and what our Easter Sunday morning is going to look like. So those are probably the two main things that I'm currently working on to um, that are taking a lot of my life right now. So those two things. Great. That's awesome. Well, uh, all I can say is good luck uh, because <laughs> I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> so uh, that's great. Uh, I did want to say again, thank you, Caleb, for uh, spending a few uh, minutes with me and uh, working through what you do and why you do it. Um, yeah. so thank you for being the inaugural episode of the Working Collective podcast. And so, um, and just as a reminder, uh, the Working Collective podcast, it showcases different vocations and experiences uh, that create unique conversations about around what we do and why. So from pastor to tech producer, accountant to social worker, and everything in between, um, our hope is that every interview takes on the personality of our guest and their wonderful story. So this is the Working Collective. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one.